Hello, hello, kids, and welcome to another episode. I am your resident spooky drag queen, Pissy Miles. And I'm your resident spooky smartass, Sam Baxter. And, and this, this is, is my spooky, spooky gay, gay family. Hello, hello, Sam Baxter. Hello, Pissy Miles. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm uh, well fed <laughs> and uh, a little bit bloated, but it's fine. We're working through it. Um, <laughs> I had a, a salad for dinner, which was a bit shocking to my system. <laughs> I don't think it had seen anything green in quite some time. <laughs> Even Thanksgiving, it was like... I'm sure there were vegetables on the table, but I didn't see any of them. I only saw the Brussels sprouts. Yeah, and you, I wouldn't touch those with a 10-foot fucking pole. Really? I like Brussels sprouts. I hate Brussels sprouts. <laughs> and I hate that they have become trendy because now every, it's like kale. Everyone's like, I love kale. And it's like, it's fucking disgusting. And you don't love yourself or anyone else. <laughs> If you serve that shit on your table, you don't love you, you don't love them, you don't love anyone. You have no love in your heart. You are the Grinch who stole Kale. <laughs> you are the Kale Grinch. Ms. Kale Grinch. That would be your teacher name if you were like a mean principal. You would be Miss Kale Grinch. <laughs> is that just the last name or is her first name Kale? No, that's the last name. Okay. The uh the first your first name would be Gail Kelgrinch. Gail Gail <laughs> Gail Kelgrinch. That's that's your new name. I'm changing your name on all of our promotional materials. Pissy Miles and Kale Gail Gail Kelgrinch. That's a hard one. Gail Kelgrinch. I try. That's kind of it's got like a Karen Kilgariff. Yeah, her vibe. name is kind of surprisingly hard to say i know it's like if you can say her name you're good at cunnilingus <laughs> that's how i feel about karen kilgariff's name <laughs> much the way i feel about gail kilgrinch i'm getting it. it it's, it's sticking <laughs> one piece at a time um how was uh, how was your Thanksgiving? I know we talked about this in the mini sode but you know there are a lot of people who don't pay for our episodes so <laughs> It's good. It was nice. <laughs> I had a really nice Thanksgiving as well. Um, I'm a little bit glad it's over because now we can just move on to the the main course, <laughs> which is Christmas. I'm very excited yes. for Christmas. <laughs> yes. I know you hate it, but listen. I don't hate you Christmas. You do. I just don't like it as much as you do. It's not that you don't like it. It's more, it's more like you hate it. And I... <laughs> I I appreciate your distaste for the holiday, but I I don't like it. <laughs> I really don't mind Christmas. <laughs> like, Everyone who's listening is like, she hates it! <laughs> Sam hates Christmas! I'm going to start an unruly mob. 
We are a big unruly mob. Oh, God. Uh, that is Rocco's Modern Life, if you didn't know. And if you didn't know, then... Uh, Congratulations, you're under 30. I know. <laughs> you're still you're still uh, vibrant and full of life. <laughs> Nothing's been beaten out of you yet. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I had a good Thanksgiving. No vegetables for me. Although, that's not, do you consider potatoes a vegetable? I think they're they're technically a starch. What's the difference? It's closer to like it's closer chemically to like things like wheat and no. I <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um the gallery started nodding their head and I had to <laughs> I well, had to interact with what's, that. I guess I just don't see the difference. You buy it next to the cucumbers. So it's a vegetable. I, I'm not really sure. It's it's a starchy tuber, I guess. A what? A tuber. <laughs> what? That's what It sounds like an angry vlogger, doesn't it? <laughs> she's a starchy tuber. <laughs> My God, she's so nasty. It does sound something like something that you should call someone on Twitter. I know. <laughs> You're a starchy tuber. <laughs> Gail Kelgrinch. <laughs> Gail Kelgrinch is definitely a starchy tuber. <laughs> She's got some starchy tubes. Um, oh, what is a tuber? What was that? A tuber is, I, I believe it's largely root vegetables of a certain scientific classification. This is far too involved for my, for my <laughs> taste. No, but like potatoes, sweet potatoes. Are yams and sweet potatoes the same thing? Because I've never been clear on that. It's it's like there's like a small difference that only like 0.2% of the population like a, a knows. A horticulturist somewhere is like they are completely different They're and I totally will tell you different. why. <laughs> <laughs> Yams are vegetables and sweet potatoes have marshmallows. <laughs> um yeah, we did you know it's we funny. We didn't have sweet potatoes. We didn't have any. Not a one. No. We had a pumpkin pie although I did not get a slice and I'm a bit sad. I was just like I I'm I maxed out my card on Christmas cookies. Mm. And uh, yes, they were Christmas cookies. You would think it would be Thanksgiving because it was Thanksgiving, but they were Christmas. Um, <laughs> I maxed out it's my card. It's only because you only used the red and green M&Ms. It wasn't necessarily by choice either. I, ma- I made M&M cookies for Thanksgiving dinner and uh, they were delicious and Typically, they are, you know, it is not specific what color M&Ms go into them. But when I went to ShopRite, they had red and green because it is what? Christmas time. So (laughs) uh, they had red and green M&Ms and that's what went in the cookies. And if that means it's Christmas now, then that's what it means. You've given yourself that authority? That your choice of M&M? I don't think I gave it to myself. It was bestowed upon me (laughs) by by the sweet baby Jesus. (laughs) Jesus was like, spread the word of Christmas. Consumerism for all. (laughs) Uh, Yes, and ShopRite. The manager at ShopRite was like, spread the word of green M&Ms. What the hell was I talking about? Uh, But anyway. (laughs) Thanksgiving was nice. Thanksgiving was nice. But anyway. uh, Yeah, it was was a lot of fun. And uh, now I'm very much looking forward to playing... The Carpenters Christmas album on repeat for the next 32 days. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite Christmas album? <laughs> I don't have one and you knew that. That can't be possible. It, it Do, is possible. I had a like... hard time in the mini coming up with a good song that I liked. 
If I don't have a song, I certainly don't have an album. You don't even like like the Trans Siberian Orchestra. TSO is okay. TSO. She's a she's so familiar, she's abbreviating. Um I have a personal opinion, and it, this album was introduced to me by my friend Tom. And Tom is Tom is absolutely lovely. I love him to death. And Tom uh introduced me to the Carpenter's Christmas collection. Okay. And it is the best Christmas album that has ever been made by anyone, and I will fight to the death anyone who says otherwise. <laughs> because there are other great Christmas albums. Don't get me wrong. The, uh, most Christmas albums are. But this one is immaculate, in my opinion. It is so good. That's fair. You have homework on the way <clears throat> home tonight. You have to listen to The 12 Days of Christmas by mm-hmm. Faye McKay. Okay. Uh, and you have to listen to the Carpenter's Christmas collection. The entire collection. The whole thing. And if you Drive get home before, circles. if you get home yeah. before you're done, you better find somewhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> GPS, take me anywhere. Tom, Tom, get uh, on a midnight train going. <laughs> I missed it. I missed that midnight train to Georgia. Um. What the hell was I talking about? I feel like I'm saying that. The over Carpenters and over. Christmas Collection. The Christmas Collection by the Carpenters is my favorite Christmas album of all time, and I will be listening to it on repeat for the next month. Uh, and if you, uh, whoever is listening, you should write in and let me know your favorite Christmas albums because I will listen to all of them. I will just make a giant fucking my spooky gay playlist and <laughs> my spooky gay Christmas playlist. Uh, and we will all revel in the Chris. That would be a great idea. You and I should curate a Christmas, a spooky gay Christmas playlist. I, I feel like my contribution to this would be negligible. I feel like you're going to have to put some work in <laughs> You and I are going to really, this. I'm committing to this here and now. You heard it here first. We are putting together a Spotify spooky gay Christmas playlist. I I have signed us up for this, this uh, plunge to the depths. Oh, God. Aren't, aren't you excited? No. Listen, these, no, are, these are things you never would have done if you hadn't started podcasting with me. And now look at the amazing opportunities you get because of it. I think calling it an opportunity is a little loose. I think not calling it an opportunity is a cruelty. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it is Christmas. Yes. <laughs> It is Christmas, and so uh, we are marching into the Christmas season with one of our favorite Christmas movies. This week, we are going to be talking about, and this is a legendary classic Christmas movie. This is like, It's a Wonderful Life, uh, Miracle on 34th Street, this movie. Like, that is the the collection, I think, on anyone's holiday wish list. we are going to be discussing one of my favorite, favorite, favorite horror comedies, and it is called Gremlins. And I love it. <laughs> it is very, very good. Um, and it's one of those one of those rare. Fr- I, I, I'm 
hesitant to call it a franchise because if I'm not mistaken, there's only two of them. But uh, a duology. It is a duology. It's one of those rare instances where, like, as it goes on, it gets better. It's like the first one is great. The second one is even better. Uh, Does the second one also take place on Christmas? uh, No, I don't believe it does. Okay. I could be totally wrong, but I don't think it does. Um, I haven't watched it in, in a long time. The last time I watched it, I... It was when we first got Shudder. Ding. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> Gremlins and Gremlins 2 was on Shudder. And so David and I, uh, like, we had just moved into our apartment together. We hooked up our Apple TV. We went on Shudder. And Gremlins and Gremlins 2 were there. And that was the night we we watched it. And that was several years ago. <laughs> <laughs> But I watched Gremlins today, and uh, it was a very, very wonderful reminder of how amazing this movie is. And I'm especially excited to be discussing this movie with you today, because, fun fact, Sam had never seen this movie before. No, I'm not really sure how I avoided it, but I had never seen it before. What did you think? Let's start with a general, just an overview, like, tell me what you thought. I thought it was fun. Like, I think that's kind of the number one word I would use to describe it is it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the creature design is really cool. I really liked sort of the the funny bits that they were doing with the gremlins in the middle of the movie. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was just it was a lot of fun. It's very like campy, silly, ridiculous. um, kind of like nonsensical humor and it's it's a style of humor i feel like you don't get a lot of these days so i will say that's like one of the things i love most about it is like this movie is silly in a way a lot of horror comedies are not anymore (laughs) uh and let's start with that let's let's jump right into the conversation on that this movie kind of lives in a gray area It is not distinctly a horror movie. It is not distinctly a comedy, although I I guess it sort of is. What what genre would you put this movie in? That's kind of a tough one. It's kind of blurring the lines a lot. But in a very odd way, like, it's not... You wouldn't look at it and be like, oh, this is a horror comedy. Yeah, no, I think dark comedy is probably the best way to, to go. I think that's probably the best option as well. Although there are a lot of like tension building moments and jump scares that almost make it so that you want to call it a horror movie. You know, I I have to admit, I was really surprised the first time somebody died. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, that feels very off for the tone of this film. (laughs) Yeah. It's not at all what I was expecting. Wasn't expecting people to die here. Yeah, I was like, there, I was expecting a lot of things, but that was not one of them. <laughs> and like, he walks in and finds his teacher's corpse in the middle of this this chemistry lab, and I'm like, oh shit, shit just got real. Okay. And for the record, does nothing. Yeah, does absolutely nothing. I, <laughs> does well, he fuck tries all. to call the cops, I think. Very briefly. And gets scratched by the gremlin, and he freaks out. And... He does get scratched. Um, so. Th- let let's go back to the beginning on this one. Uh, it okay. is it is like Sam said, not 
specifically a horror, not specifically a comedy. I think dark comedy is probably the best way to describe it. I think you're absolutely right. Um, Gremlins is uh, a really, really fun, dark comedy that was written by Chris Columbus. Yes. Did you it, did you notice that? I did in notice the, in the his credits? name in the credits, yeah. He wrote this. Chris Columbus is the guy who like directed all the Harry Potter movies. He wrote or he directed um I think he Home did the Alone. First two. Yeah. Was it just the first two? I thought he wrote all of them. No, he only did the first two and oh. then um I don't remember the name of the guy on the third one. But <laughs> it doesn't matter. Doesn't doesn't not ringing any bells for me. <laughs> But uh, this movie came out in 1984. It was written by Chris Columbus. It was directed by Joe Dante. and uh, Of Piranha fame. Of Piranha fame. <laughs> and in watching the movie, you can kind of see it. Yeah, you can kind like, of see it. <laughs> it's got some style, stylistic choices that are very strangely similar. Uh, and... Starring a bunch of, of people who are like relatively unknown in, in this, at least at the time. Do you want to hear a, a funny little piece of trivia that I did not realize until I actually ended up looking it up online? Sure. Do you know who voiced Gizmo? Who? Howie Mandel. Wow, that's a name I haven't heard in a while. Nor should you. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what? Like, it popped up on IMDb and I was like, I'm sorry, you're mistaken. Someone Wikipedia'd this and just like fucked it all up. (laughs) Howie Mandel is the voice of Gizmo. Okay. That that is a thing I know now. And you'll never be able to forget it. (laughs) You're going to be laying in bed tonight with the sheets tucked under your chin like, Howie Mandel is Gizmo? (laughs) How did that happen? Um, Although he does a great job, so I can't really fault him. Gizmo is a fun little gremlin character. Essentially, for those of you who have not seen this movie, we're going to spoil it right now. Um, We're going to be talking entirely about this movie, so you should watch it if you have not before listening. Uh, Generally, the synopsis is that this... This man, I can't remember his name. Billy's dad. What's Billy's dad's name? Do you remember? I don't remember. Uh, I think it's Randall. Okay. I'm going to go with that. Randall that. Sure. Randall Peltzer, who is played by Hoyt Axton, if you were <laughs> looking for a name to associate with him. Um, Randall is this this gentleman who is a, uh, I'm, a I'm assuming, independent... Inventor? He's a slightly worse version of Rick Moranis from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And we will get into this because I have uh, I have some things to talk about with all of that. Um, Randall is in Chinatown in New York City and he stumbles upon this kind of basement uh, seller shop where this old Chinese man is selling goods. And he tries to sell him this invention that he's made. It doesn't work. Uh, and he stumbles upon this little itty-bitty creature that is singing, and its name is Gizmo. <laughs> well, I, I, uh, what, is, what, what are they called? The Moi? Mogwai. Mogwai. The Mogwai. Um, he, he stumbles upon the Mogwai in this little basement shop, and he tries to buy it. The grandfather won't sell it, but his grandson is in the shop and sells it to Randall secretly. And Randall gives it to his son, Billy, for Christmas. And hilarity ensues. 
<laughs> so that is essentially how we come to end up with uh, the Mogwai or or Gizmo being in the possession of this young man, Billy, who works at the local bank. Um, and then uh, there are three rules for, right. for caring for the Mogwai. Um, it cannot get wet. Yeah. It cannot be in direct sunlight or any kind of bright light. It will be injured by bright light and definitely do not feed it after midnight. That is the big one. Don't feed the gremlin or the mogwai after midnight. <laughs> so after uh, after all of that, he he gives this little motherfucker to uh, to Billy, and of course Billy immediately gets the motherfucker wet. <laughs> <laughs> and that was why I was like, I was watching this movie, and it it had been some time since I had seen it. Um, I was like, it didn't dawn on me. I was like, wow, this kid like really did not have any business caring for this animal. No. And then when asked, he's like, it was just a little bit of water. I don't understand. <laughs> this is like the first fucking thing that he said was do not put any water anywhere near it. Yeah. Like, like not don't even like don't let it drink any water. Don't let it look at water. Don't buy it a, a fucking water feature to put in the garden. Like don't do anything <laughs> That could possibly get water near this motherfucker. Diet Coke only. And literally. And then fucking Corey Feldman comes over and he's like, yeah. hey, what's this? Oh, no. <laughs> I got it wet. And it's like, you two are like the bumbling idiots that ruin this whole fucking town. Yep. Um, And this is a fun little town, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I really love the town that they created in in this movie. I don't know. I can't remember the name of it. Do you remember? I think it's like Kingston Falls or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's something along those. It's very uh, foo-foo-y. And um, <laughs> he works at this bank. There is... First of all, my first note is, A, it's Christmas time, so everything looks wonderful. It's all, like, snowy and, and adorable and cute. My... Um, my note about it was that um, it's like, it reminds me of my town, the town that I live in. It's this kind of like quaint looking, small shops, very like fun. I, I wish that my town was as picturesque in the winter <laughs> as this little town. But um, it, it just has this like really kind of like homey, small town feel. Uh and th there's something about this movie that reminds me of, like, the Frank Oz, Little Shop of Horrors kind of feel of the 80s movie. Did you get that feeling as well? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, now that you're saying it, yeah. No, there's there's definitely sort of a vibe. Oh, absolutely. It's, like, kind of the supernatural invader vibe of little shop of horrors even like there's that that one song in in little shop i think it's called dadu where it's like dadu and it's him telling the story of how he came upon uh audrey too and he's literally like i was i was looking for you know odd plants one day and there was a, a little shop owned by a 
uh, a Chinese man and he sold me this strange looking plant for a dollar ninety five. It's like it's basically the story of what happens in the beginning of this movie. And something that I like about this movie is that it tends to like pull pieces from a lot of other movies and and like mo- like almost genre tropes and things like that. Okay. Because you have this situation where a you start off with like l- almost literally the beginning of of Little Shop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you kind of get into the kind of classic horror, almost like the thing or the blob where it's like Yeah, no, a- I think at one point they're they're actually playing bits of the body snatchers. They are, yeah. And I don't think that that's a, a mistake considering what happens with the gremlins. No. But um you have all of these things, you know, you have kind of slasher elements, you have 80s horror elements, you have classic horror elements, you have the super, the like, you have all of these like bits and pieces. And I really love that about this movie is it's it's very like referential and it it kind of pays homage to a lot of different things. Yeah, it is surprisingly kind of meta. It's very it's meta. Like- <laughs> It's very self-aware. Did you pick up on a lot of that while you were watching? <laughs> I'll be honest, having only seen it through once and I was mostly trying to focus on the plot, I think I missed a lot of the... I missed a lot of it. Um, I definitely got the the mid-80s like sort of f- f- fear about foreign imports and things like that from sort of a sociological <laughs> point of view. There but, was a, that one guy, I can't remember his name. Uh, He's Mr. The, Futterman. Mr. Futterman. <laughs> Mr. Futterman is this kind of like drunk guy who's he's always drunk and he uh he recently lost his job and is very upset about it but um he's always going on about foreign made things and they have gremlins in them and blah blah blah, blah. but he says this one line in the near the beginning of the movie he runs into Billy and Billy's like oh my car won't start and he's like it's no wonder you're having problems these foreign cars always freeze up on you blah blah blah, blah. Uh, he was like, not like, not like our American cars. And I was like, I drive a Chevy Malibu and that thing is a <laughs> fucking piece of shit. It is as useless to me as a bucket of broccoli. Like I would, I would much, I would much sooner drive a bucket of broccoli than my Chevy Malibu. And I, I like, I hate it. If there, these days you want a dependable car, you better buy international because the American car industry is garbage. I don't know. I've had pretty good luck with my Dodge. Have you? Yeah, I haven't really had any problems with it. I don't drive as much as you do, though. That, well, and that's the thing. I drive quite a bit. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I have had nothing but problems with my Chevy. I wouldn't recommend it to any, anyone. Literally anyone. I, well, if, you told, if Donald Trump came up to me today and said, what car should I buy? It would be a Chevy Malibu. <laughs> But I don't consider him a person, so that's why. Um, God. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Are we being sensitive to him no, now? No. Um, yes, this movie does kind of touch on a lot of different tropes and pulls from a lot of different places. And one of the things I actually noticed, and I I don't want to say I wouldn't have noticed it because it is one of my favorite movies, even if you hate it. Um, one thing I noticed in the beginning of this movie is that the first, like, 10 or 15 minutes very strongly resemble the Wizard of Oz. Hmm. 
Did you catch on to that? Yes, I did. Because you have the character Mrs. Deegan. Deagle. Deagle, whatever the Which fuck she is. Which is even more fun to say. Mrs. Deagle. <laughs> She's Deagle the Beagle. Um, I just made that up. She's not called that. But you have Mrs. Deagle and Billy's dog, like fucked up her snowman so she comes down to the bank and she's like i want to kill your dog and then the dog jumps out and like barks her and she's like oh my heart my heart she's like this old cranky woman who like won't she's she won't give a a break to these people who need she's like a a landlord she won't give uh, a break to these people who need it they're like it's christmas and she's like well then you know what to ask santa for yeah she's a She's a right bitch. Yeah, she is a proper bitch. <laughs> like a proper see you next Tuesday. And uh my 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 biggest note about Mrs. Deagle or right? Deagle? Yes, Deagle. Mrs. Deagle is that watching this movie now, I was like, wow, Mrs. Deagle is definitely pissy miles in like <laughs> I wanna say 30 years. But it's probably like two or three. Like, like we're really not that far off anymore. I'm like, Mrs. Deagle is the film embodiment of Pissy Miles, I think. Just a nasty old crab who who is not interested in your shenanigans. Yeah, no, I have to admit I was a little offended when they showed her later and it's like her and like five cats. (laughs) And I'm like... I know she's the old cat lady. That's not okay, Joe Dante. Like, I know he does kind of he does I, I knew you would not be happy about that representation I mean it's it's one of those things where it's like I'm not actually offended it's just I remember sitting there going like oh yeah sure make the like stupid bitch a fucking cat person thanks <laughs> that's not that's not <laughs> that's original like thanks for that I know <laughs> I it it he definitely leaned into a few stereotypes with Mrs. Deagle yes he did uh but I do think that she, she, because you asked me at one point, you're like, what is your favorite gremlin death in this movie? And I was mm-hmm. like, Mrs. Deagle. Like, <laughs> she's the biggest gremlin and she has the best death scene. <laughs> it is really funny. She, she, she kind of does a Sally. I was just about to say that. She's like Sally in fucking uh, Texas Chainsaw. She She has one of those like, little motorized things stair that go up the, lift, yeah, yeah the stair lift things and she gets you know when the gremlins finally you know make their way out of the fucking pods and they're off terrorizing everybody uh she gets attacked at home but the gremlin is i guess some kind of tech wizard and he like <laughs> modifies her chairlift to be like a rocket and so she like gets in her chairlift to go upstairs after she gets attacked at the door and it goes flying up the stairs and launches her out the window at the top of the stairs. Yeah. It is like, I was like, wow, Mrs. Deagle really has a bad night. And then she hits the street and all you can see are like, is like the bottom half of her legs, like the Wicked Witch of the East from the Wizard of Oz. I know. <laughs> and that's why I said, like, one of my notes was, this movie is essentially the Wizard of Oz on acid. Like, <laughs> there, it is just the most fucked up version of the wizard of oz that you could ever fucking imagine but i kind of love it it's like it's like if the munchkins went crazy and started killing everybody <laughs> don't you think <laughs> i could definitely see the parallel yeah uh i was actually surprised because obviously the wizard of oz somehow became a thanksgiving movie yeah i feel like it's always been a thanksgiving movie though like it's it's always on some channel at thanksgiving but i don't really know why I don't really know why either. I think it's just it's just a thing that 
I think it's Channel 11. I think so, yeah. Puts on every year. But I didn't realize that you didn't like The Wizard of Oz. I knew you were going to throw me under the bus <laughs> the minute you said I just think it's corny. Like, it is a little corny. And I felt that way since I was a child. <laughs> It I was just made never in like got 1939 into it. or I know, something. But, but I just never got into it, and I always felt like I couldn't say anything because it was like mom's favorite movie. It was mom's absolute like 100 percent favorite. It was like Wizard of Oz, and then like just a hair below it was like My Cousin Vinny. <laughs> yes, those two. <laughs> those were mom's two favorite movies. And yeah, I think if you had said something, she probably would have disowned you. But yeah. um, I was surprised. I didn't realize that about you. I just it's it's fine, I guess. I I'm gonna I get you in all kinds of trouble it's, it's, tonight. It's fine. <laughs> I happen to love the Wizard of Oz, but uh I'll forgive you. Yes, it's I know fine. there's a there's a Dorothy on your tree. We have a Dorothy, we have a Tin Man, we have uh a lion. The only one we don't have is a Wicked Witch of the West ornament. Um and I actually do have a Wicked Witch of the West ornament. Do you? Yes, I do. I have a Wicked Witch of the West and a Glinda because they don't make wicked ornaments. So I had to go. Mm. I had to go original OG. Well, I would desperately love a Wicked Witch ornament. The Wicked Witch of the West has been like my my like uh, idol since I was like a a baby. I, I've always like, even like as a little kid, dad had to make me witch brooms out of, you know, the cardboard that they put on those wire hangers that, uh, he would take the cardboard off of it and take yarn and make me witch brooms. So I could like, quote unquote, fly around the house. Uh, I love the Wicked Witch of the West, but there, there are so many like odd parallels. And he didn't figure it out. Well, (laughs) one of the first, one of the biggest fights that I remember mom ever telling me she had with dad was that she wanted to get me, because I loved the Wicked Witch, the Wicked Witch so much, uh, she wanted to get me like a doll of the Wicked Witch of the West. Mm -hmm. And dad was like, absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) And it turned into this huge fight and she ended up getting it for me for Christmas. And it was like my favorite fucking thing. Like I played with that doll. Endless. I still remember that doll. I remember like the costume. I remember playing with it. I it came with like a broom and like all this shit. I loved that doll. Played with it all the fucking time. You're welcome, Dad. Uh, but anyway, we <laughs> there are a lot of strong parallels between The Wizard of Oz and this movie, not just in uh, you know these little moments, but also in kind of the content of the movie in a strange way. It's this like adventure to fight evil that kind of sprouted from an unknown source. Yeah. And it's kind of, there's some commentary about responsibility, particularly for people who are relatively young, Mm -hmm. um, which is similar to the opening of the wizard of Oz. Yeah. It definitely kind of has that, uh, young person growing into themselves situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's something, because the main character, Billy, is very obviously kind of a young man who is on the precipice of maturity. He's probably like 18, 19, somewhere in there. I would say he's probably a little older than that. Don't you think he's probably at least like 21, 22? Do you think? I, I, I mean, 
those four years, I can't tell. I know it's all very close, but it it just seemed to me like he was in the midst of a career rather than a job. But it was the '80s, so who fucking knows? There's one yeah. point where his boss uh, comes over to him when he's at the bar mm-hmm. right after he, after you know uh, his dog attacks Miss Gulch. And um, <laughs> that is a Wizard of Oz reference for those of you who don't know. Uh, and he, he, his boss comes over to him at the, at the bar and he's like, kind of making fun of him. And he's like, you almost got fired today. Blah, 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 blah. You should try harder. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, where was that guy's death scene? Exactly. I was like, this guy should have been dead like 40 minutes ago. Um, <laughs> and he's like, I'm a junior vice president at 23. Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, What? <laughs> I was like, that's how you know this movie was made in the 80s, because that is just not a thing anyone's. <laughs> I don't think anyone in our generation was a vice president, a junior vice president. You're lucky to be president. an intern at 23. I was like, for real, I was like, in our generation, I, I, I'm 32, and I don't think anyone my age is even a vice president of anything yet. Like, you'd have to make your own fucking company to be a vice president at 23 today. And if you make your own company, please don't demote yourself to vice president. That you'd have really, to. You're not really allowed strange. to be... If you if you're 23, you are not allowed to be a vice president of anything. <laughs> not even your house. You can't you can't even have a house at 23. <laughs> um, but let's get into some of the fun of okay. this movie, shall we? Shall. Uh, so obviously the rules get broken. Water yeah. gets on Gizmo, uh, who is adorable. Let's he be is very cute. He is very adorable. Um, but he did spawn one of the most infuriating toys ever made. Yes, he did. Because if this isn't where the Furby came from, I have no idea where it did come from. Oh, it is confirmed oh, okay. that this is where the Furby came from. Okay. The this was the it is confirmed that the that Gizmo was the inspiration for the Furby. Um and I hate that fucking toy. <laughs> like <laughs> I'd love a gizmo, but I do not want a Furby. And I remember <laughs> when Furbies fir- are creepy. I remember when they came out. Kara wanted one. Yeah. Kara was our stepsister, and she like desperately wanted a Furby. And I remember she got one for Christmas, and she and Bob cared for it like like if they didn't, they were going to prison. <laughs> like they cared for that fucking Furby so well, and. I hated it. It made so much noise. It was so ridiculous. I I just, I hated the fucking Furby. If you're young enough that you don't have any vivid memories of the Furby, you are a lucky human. Yes, but go look it up. Go watch a video of what this thing was supposed to do. We'll start with what it was supposed to do, not what what it actually did. And then it got they got in trouble because it was like eating kids' fingers. It was yeah. so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> this thing was, it was like... They were like, oh, we made a toy that talks back to you. And then some, of course, you you put some idiot kid in a room with a thing that opens its mouth. It's going to put its fucking fingers in it. Yeah. And then it was like, just kidding. It eats your fingers. Don't, <laughs> don't feed the Furby after midnight. Um. So they get water on Gizmo. He spawns a bunch of other little Furbies, including one that has a stripe on its head, uh, and that becomes the leader of the Furbies. Yes. And it is like evil. It's like yeah, kind of it's, ma- it's not a... malevolently inclined. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad boy Mogwai. <laughs> <laughs> the bad boy Mogwai. Um, 
And so the, the, this little stripey dude cuts Billy's alarm clock wire. Yeah. So he thinks it's 1130 and he and it gets him to feed them. And it's actually after midnight. So he ends up feeding the Furbies after midnight and they turn into gremlins. Yes. And it is after amazing. a pupil stage. A pupil in- stage. <laughs> yes. But let's be honest, Billy is a fucking douchebag. He kind of is. He's an idiot. He's first of all, he's purposely cloning this thing with water. Yeah, giving them to his his science teacher or his ex science teacher. I don't know. I don't know what the the relationships in this movie are kind of complicated. He's like <laughs> twenty two and works at a bank, but he's friends with his high school science teacher. Like, I think you're supposed to get the impression that it's such a small town that just everybody knows everybody else. I mean, I guess it's kind of odd to me. I, I that was one thing that I was like, okay, this is kind of strange. Like, maybe maybe Mister Who's It What's It should let his students move on. Someone should <laughs> check his computer. Um, oh. <laughs> like that was kind. Of, I was like, hey, <laughs> hey, Who's It What's It, move on. Um, but he gives like one of the Furbies to his teacher and his teacher starts doing all these like experiments on it, doing like blood tests and shit. And I'm like, whose science teacher is doing blood tests in the science lab <laughs> on like exotic creatures. Um, and, and Billy just does a lot of irresponsible shit. It's like, he just was not meant to care for these things. No, which is sort of the, the point of the film. I know. And that like, that's kind of what it comes down to is by the end of the movie, we're kind of we're we obviously see the the Chinese man one more time. He comes to reclaim the Furby. Yes. <laughs> he comes to get Gizmo. Uh and he gives this kind of speech and it was like surprisingly poignant where yeah. I was like, "Ooh, that kind of hit a little close to home in 2020." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> this was 1984 and he's basically he like reprimands them and he's like it's kind of like a commentary on Western environmentalism. Yeah. You know no, what I mean? It's definitely a, there's something in there about abusing nature's gifts. Yeah. But it's like correctly. specifically he says like you people are not capable of like caring for something like this. Yeah. Like you don't have the responsibility it requires to care for this. Which is probably true. I mean, we we know that American industrialism is just entirely insane. Look at Flint, Michigan. But uh which by the way, they still don't have clean water if you're not paying attention. Um but it it was kind of funny to me because I was like uh I was like, well, that's all well and good. Okay. But he is Chinese. What's, what does that have to do with anything? There is a cloud of smog permanently <laughs> over China. Permanently. It, like, it won't go away. You couldn't blow hard enough. God. And I was like, let's, let's take it easy on the, uh, the environmentalism inspir- inspirational quotes today, sir. I have to tell you, this is not where I was expecting this this conversation to go. And I said that we should do Gremlins. <laughs> You're like, let's do a Christmas movie about monsters. And I'm like, Chinese environmentalism. 
Um, I'm yeah. seriously sitting here going like, I'm going to pick a funny movie that happens at Christmas and also happens to have creature effects in it. It does. And it has great creature it effects. It does have really good creature effects. Um, so that was my little diatribe about about uh, environmentalism. And we all should be paying a little more attention to environmentalism, by the way. But um, I, gu- I guess that's a conversation for later in the episode. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about something fun since you since you brought it up. Obviously, that science teacher has that moment in the lab where he's doing all the tests on the gremlin, and we have the gremlins kind of emerging from their pods and infesting the kitchen. Which led to my favorite sequence in the film. It was the most phenomenal moment of the movie. It's just, Billy's mom is a fucking bamf, and no For one real. can talk me out of that. Like, like she, she's stabbing it with a fucking kitchen knife. She microwaves one. She was like Zenya from yeah. Goldeneye. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ, who is this woman? With no hesitation. Like, sees the first one and immediately, like, puts it in a blender. I know. <laughs> she, it was like Mr. and Mrs. Smith, that movie with Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, when they just, like, they're both secret agents and they just fuck each other up. That was like, who, I was like, wow, Billy's mom is a secret agent. Okay. <laughs> and also, I wanted to comment before I forget, she looks so much to me like Kate McKinnon. Really? Look at her again. I, I'll give you an opportunity to, uh, to look up Billy's mom from this movie and tell me she doesn't look like if they remake this movie, you had better have Kate McKinnon as Billy's mom. I mean, she has brown hair. She, she, it's the eighties. She's probably a little bit older than Kate McKinnon is, Mm. but no, I can see it. She looks like her. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. And tell me Kate McKinnon would not be hysterical in that kitchen scene. (laughs) Like, tell me I'm wrong. No, Kate McKinnon would milk that for every drop that it's worth. Do you have a favorite kill in the kitchen? I I think it's the blender. The blender? (laughs) Blender, juicer, whatever the hell it's supposed to be. I know, because first of all, let's talk about this fucking Because it's the first one, so it surprised me. I know. (laughs) You were like, like, oh. oh." (laughs) (laughs) Hey. Uh, yeah, you're at that point in the movie, you are definitely not expecting the level of violence that occurs, but it's like, it's almost really nice because it kind of turns the whole movie on its head. It's like up until this moment, you've kind of been living in this picturesque little snowy mountain town, wherever the fuck, although I would assume that they're probably just outside the city. Um, because why else would the dad be in fucking Chinatown that day? Um, so it's probably like New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. Um, or I guess upstate New York is entirely possible as well. But uh, what the hell was I saying? Um, the tone of the movie changes. The tone of the movie changes. It kind of gets turned on its head. You know, you go from this really kind of serene. Uh, Picturesque, idyllic. Yeah, it's Little it's house. very idyllic. It's kind of that Norman Rockwell Christmas time situation to like, oh, the gremlins in the blender. Like yeah. you, and, and there is no <laughs> there it is a very sudden change. Um Yeah, but I kind of like that about this scene. I like that this scene turns the whole movie upside down and it's all kind of downhill from there. Yeah, no, it gets it gets serious really quickly. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, serious and then like really silly. Serious in that it is like, it's like, oh, there's a real problem here. Yeah. But it is handled in such a way that it is fucking hysterical. Yeah, it's really funny. Um, I do like the gremlin in the blender. That is one of my favorites. I also really like the gremlin in the microwave. I thought that effect was really cool. <laughs> the effect is really cool. I just, it made me cringe a little bit. So it was like, uh... <laughs> Why? Did it remind you too much of Urban Legend? Yeah, a little bit. It was, it was a little like, no. Put the dog in the microwave. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it does definitely have that element to it. Uh but that's kind of what I like about this movie is it's like it's constantly like pushing the envelope and then pulling you back with a joke. Yeah. Like I love that the gremlins are always kind of doing these like weird little dances with with culture. Yeah. Like even when they're like when you get to the bar scene <laughs> and they're all like dancing at the bar and one's like smoking three cigarettes and then there's one that's like a cool jazz man. Like yeah. it's just like they're they're so fucking ridiculous. That whole bar sequence is just it's just nutty. It's like, I know. It is, it, it's very Henson-esque. It, it really is. And it, I think that it, it would have been Jim Henson's sense of humor oh, to have absolutely. them do that. Absolutely. I think in another world, the Gremlins would be Muppets. <laughs> in, in another, That's the remake of Gremlins. Exactly. <laughs> it's the Jim Henson Gremlins. <laughs> the Jim Gremlins. Uh what the hell was I about to say? Oh, speaking of other worlds, there is one thing I want to point out. I know I'm like bouncing all over the place in this conversation. It's okay. One thing that I did note about the dad, about Randall, mm-hmm. is that I I literally wrote in my notes, I was like, I was like, in another world, dad is Randall. <laughs> Don't you think? Like all these like defunct uh inventions, and he's like, oh, I worked out this thing, and then it shoots like fucking toothpaste across the room and you're like okay dad i'll see you tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) like well-meaning very loving mishap laden man (laughs) i mean he did come to my house and fix several things the other day so i feel like i can't um are they fixed yes they are actually really yes and the ceiling's still up yes huh no he did he did quite the job actually that's impressive good for you dad (laughs) He's listening to this right now, and he's literally, like, in the process of changing his will. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I love you. I love you. Dear God, I love you. Um, But, yeah, Randall is definitely... Dad's definitely got a hand in Randall. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's an interesting way to put that, but, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I phrased it very purposely. Purposefully. Um, Yeah, definitely. Dad definitely has some elements of Randall. Even the fact that, like, his entire family has to keep using these inventions that they know don't work. Don't yeah. work. But it's like, if you don't use them, Randall will be upset. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I was like, that was basically our childhood. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Dad didn't invent egg openers or anything. No, he didn't. But there was there was always that feeling of like, well, I love this mug, mm-hmm. but I am going to put it in the dishwasher. And whatever happens, happens. <laughs> it's going to be the, the cleanest mug you've ever seen, or I could be gluing it back together tomorrow with my tears. Um, yeah, dad definitely has has little bits and pieces of Randall in him. Uh, this movie, like I said, has a lot of like 
fun stuff. Obviously, the gremlins are so much fun. And the puppets, this is something you don't see in contemporary film because so much of contemporary filmmaking is done with CGI. Do you think that if this movie was made today, it would be made as well with the puppetry? I don't think so. I think they would cheap out and use computers. I think 100% they would. And I think it would be very disappointing. Like, even the moments where you can totally tell that they're puppets, like, it's, you're you're so into the magic of it that you don't care. Like, there are certain times Mm -hmm. when, like, you can tell that, like, the way that the the shot is angled, it's to hide the fact that they're switching out the puppet because (laughs) there's one puppet that can do one thing and one puppet that does another. But, like, I don't care. It's still cool. My suspension of disbelief is not not impaired at all. No, not not at all, if I'm being honest. Like, I don't I don't at any point think like there was never a point where I was watching it and I was like, you know, it would have been better maybe in this moment to have not used a puppet because this pulled away. It was like it was always very entertaining to me. Yeah. It was and maybe it's because we grew up with more pup like we grew up with like the dark crystal and the muppets and you know sesame street and the fraggles what was it labyrinth labyrinth it's like all of these amazing movies that that were and that's something that i noticed when netflix did the new series version of the dark crystal Mm -hmm. a lot of the complaints from people were that they were like oh it's weird that they're puppets i don't like that they're puppets and it's like I loved that they're puppets. It's like, it's an art form. Yeah, and like, what were you expecting? And I I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't think you're familiar with what this is. (laughs) I'm sorry you were disappointed, but I don't think you were at all familiar with the source material. Like, literally not at all. Um, I, I just, it kind of upsets me because... I feel like some of that classic storytelling that is done using unconventional methods just doesn't really fly anymore. And I don't know why. I don't know what changed that it's like you can watch something that is quite clearly computer animated and that is like you can suspend your disbelief for that. Not you, but like yeah. young people today, I should say. All those children. Um <laughs> they they are kind of unable to sus- suspend their disbelief for puppets, but for CGI, it's like they don't even think about it. And it's like I for me, CGI pulls me out of a, a moment a lot faster than something like a puppet would. When you can see the seams, yeah. Like Yeah, and a lot of times I feel like I can. Yeah, no, there's there's always a difference in quality between something that's made on a computer and something that's actually standing there. And yeah. that's even with the best possible CGI. Agreed. And the thing that... I think that's the most important part about it is that when something is really in the space with you, even if it doesn't look quite right, it's still there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's something because you and I were having a discussion earlier about uh, the Lord of the Rings versus the Hobbit and Mm -hmm. how it kind of felt like they cheaped out 
on The Hobbit and just did everything CGI. Whereas Lord of the Rings was kind of this epic moment of like all these things that were created and and molded and made and existed in the world. And I mean, I want to be very clear. There's a lot of CGI in the Lord of the Rings. There's a ton of it. But the CGI is used to enhance. It's used to enhance. And like they did things with CGI that like no one else was doing, like the AI Urukai at Helm's Deep and the AI elves at Helm's Deep. Like they, they essentially made two armies in a computer and like mashed them into a simulation to see who would win. (laughs) <laughs> like that's how they, they they did Helm's Deep, which is amazing and it's awesome. It's but they crazy. still had to have physical people in rubber suits standing in the rain for the close shots, exactly. which is what they did. Yeah, and it's like you see in the making of a movie like that, you have like they put fifty or a hundred guys in urukai makeup, mm-hmm. and then they multiply it and they move them around and they put things here and they put pieces there and they they add to it with cgi whereas these days it feels a little bit more like they're like well it's just easier to animate it and and not spend the money creating all this stuff and it's like yeah that's probably true that it's cheaper and probably a bit easier but it does not yield the same effect no and that's why i love movies like gremlins because you see the effect of really really awesome artistry and the 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 guy who made the puppets for this his name is chris wallace did an amazing job like the puppetry in this movie is phenomenal especially like once they're not so cute anymore like the the variety of things you had to have them do (laughs) was just it was off the charts so yeah (laughs) like having to make like that many puppets and that many puppets that could do different things like that's that's an amazing feat just on its own exactly you know what's funny someone asked we we answer listener questions in our minisodes which you can listen to on patreon.com slash my spooky gay family uh we answer listener questions and someone asked a question this week and they said what is one movie prop you would love to get your hands on and i think one would be one of the gremlins that would be really cool i would love to have a gremlin yeah i don't know what i would do with it i'd probably like I would use it as my I would, star I would on my it, tree. Put it up on the bookshelf like it, like the elf on the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing rhymes with gremlin. No, it doesn't. But if I ever had children, like that is going to be the elf on the shelf. You're going to have like, gremlin. Yes. It's like, be good <laughs> or the gremlins will come. Wow. Your kids are going to be so fucked up. Be like good, there was the ever a doubt will... that my kids would be fucked up. You're just going to put like animatronics in the basement. It's like, oh, do you hear the scratching? The gremlins are coming. <laughs> Sarah told me a story about when she was a kid and... I um I think this is the, both the most genius and the cruelest thing I've ever heard. Uh, on her, behalf of her mother? Yes. <laughs> her, her mom told her that there were crocodiles under her bed. And if she once she was in bed, if she tried to get out of bed, they would eat her feet, essentially, when she was very small. So she wouldn't get out of bed in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> and my, my beautiful wife believed her for, I mean, for quite a while. <laughs> She was she was pretty literal as a child. As she was we also learned. like three or four, but that's not the point. Well, but we learned in the the minisode, uh, like a coyote in a trap. Yes, that S- Sarah has some very literal 
interpretations of the things that are said to her. Yes. Uh, and if you'd like to know exactly how literal, you should go subscribe on Patreon.com. Oh my God, how many times are you going to put? As many times as I can. It is, uh, if, if. It's your available on iTunes. If there's one thing I could say, it's that like, that episode alone is worth the $3 a month. You know what I mean? Like, that episode is so fucking funny. If, if, if you have a chance you should go and subscribe to our minisodes so you can hear the episode like a coyote in a trap because it is one of my favorite it is one of my favorite episodes we've ever done i think (laughs) um but if i had a gremlin it's like that song if i had a hammer (laughs) you would gremlin all over this land i would gremlin all over this land i'd gremlin here i'd gremlin there I'd gremlin everywhere. Um, I would I would probably make my gremlin my tree topper. Like, fuck the star. I'll, I'll just put lights around his head and I will. You know what I really want? What? And you don't know about this because you haven't seen gremlins too. Okay. Although I'm sure you've seen it before. Uh, the female gremlin. Yeah, I've seen pictures of The pinup of gremlin. Yeah. She would be the best tree topper ever. That is Pissy Miles. You want to talk Mrs. Deagle? Pissy Miles is the pinup gremlin. First, we have a lot in common. Pissy Miles has, like, I think deep down, I probably am a gremlin. Don't you think? I mean, it's certainly possible. Uh, I, I am a hundred percent. That deep down in the depths of me, I am a gremlin. Because we we have a lot of things in common. First of all, we both love music, uh, movie musicals. <laughs> uh, they loved the fucking Snow, Snow White, White and the Seven yeah. Dwarves. Uh, I'm cranky. Mm-hmm. I'm very cranky. And gremlins are very clearly cranky. And my primary motivation is yums. So I don't see I don't see any reason to think that Pissy Miles is not the female gremlin. I have to say I was a little surprised when it was like every like three or four phrases they were speaking English and like the rest of the time they were speaking some weird gibberish language. Some gibberish. But like every single time one of them went yum yum, I'm like this is the best movie ever. I, know. <laughs> I don't know why, but that specific thing. They're like it's Jawas. Like, it's like, yep, yeah. Yep. It's like, uh, especially when he's like looking at the candy and he just, just goes, yum, yum. Yum, yum. <laughs> and I was like, this is me. I am a gremlin. <laughs> yum, yum. Yes, I am here for this. <laughs> and of course, he leaves all his fucking friends yeah. to go fuck off and find some yum, yums. They all die in a fucking fire. <laughs> And he's like, oh, no. I just love that the one of them asks him to bring the milk duds before he leaves. Does it? Yeah, no, he's he's getting up to walk away. And the one next to him just looks at him and goes, milk duds. Really? Yes. <laughs> and you know that that was some kind of like product placement that they got yeah. paid to put in the movie. And it was just like funny to them to have one of the gremlins be like, milk duds. <laughs> and he's like, yum, yums, milk duds. Yes, good. Bye. <laughs> Uh, this movie Mm -hmm. obviously is a lot of fun. We have talked quite a bit about it. Um, 
there are some like dark parts of this movie. Yeah, we want to talk about Kate's monologue. I was, for a I was just about to say, I was like, <laughs> primarily Kate. First of all, uh, where the fuck did that come from? He's yeah, like, I know. he's like, we have to stop the gremlins. She's like, my dad died in a chimney, and you're like, what? <laughs> How did we get here? It's also just like, as someone who dislikes Christmas, I was. I was a little offended that, like, you have to have, like, a good reason for it. I was like, no, just let her not like Christmas. Like, why do you have to, like, why does her dad have to die in a chimney in a Santa outfit? I know. Like, <laughs> like depress the shit it's out like, of everybody. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck, Kate? Like, you're dropping bombs all over this fucking movie. Because that was not the first time she said something kind of shocking. What was the first time? Do you remember when Billy's like walking her home after work Mm -hmm. and he's like, I love Christmas. And she's like, well, not everybody loves Christmas. And he's like, who doesn't love Christmas? It's a great time of year. And she's like, (laughs) she's like, not everyone likes Christmas for everyone. It's not so bright. And she literally says the words, while some people are opening their presents, other people are opening up their wrists. And I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) To be fair, that was also Billy's reaction. <laughs> no, apparently not, because she was like, she was like, some people kill themselves at Christmas. Bye. And he was like, want to go on a date? And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> you two are the weirdest people who have ever existed in the world. Like, the gremlins are sitting there like, what the fuck are these two talking about? She's like, she's like, some people hate Christmas. They kill themselves. Gotta go. I was like... <laughs> What are you doing, Kate? She is a bizarre character. She is a little strange, yes. Did you have a crush on her? No, I didn't. I'm kind of surprised. Why? I thought she would be your type. She's kind of weird and she hates Christmas. She I mean, works in a bar. Maybe she was a little older. I mean, I I assumed she was like the same age as him, like 21, 22. Yeah, I mean, she has to be at least 18 to be working in the bar, but still. So, yeah, I mean... I don't know. Like I'm, I'm in my mid thirties now. I don't, I don't look for twenty one year olds. Well, you don't go I looking. For I haven't them. hit my midlife crisis yet. <laughs> Still driving that Dodge. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kate is fucking weird. I, I didn't. Again, it had been a, a long time since I'd watched this movie, and I had forgotten how fucking weird she was. <laughs> and I was like, she's like, kind of the Ali Sheedy. <laughs> of this movie don't you think fair. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised they didn't get her for the movie <laughs> I don't know what she was doing I mean it, it had to have been something along these lines uh, Ali Sheedy probably would have been a great Kate I think she it would have been like typecasting <laughs> Um, and speaking of mm-hmm. some people at Christmas yeah there is a very uh, there's a much contested idea about this movie okay some people think that this is a christmas movie okay and some people do not mm-hmm. i'm not going to tell you what i think okay just yet i'm interested to hear your thoughts i would say the same way that movies that take place on halloween or halloween movies i would argue that movies that take place on christmas are christmas movies mm-hmm. i think that's kind of my only argument for it but um yeah, no, I would I would accept this as a Christmas music movie, not music, Christmas movie. I would I also speak. accept it as a Christmas music. 
<laughs> I would if the if the Gremlins put out an album, I would buy it. <laughs> All 18 tracks are just called Yum Yums. I was just about to be like yum 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 yum. Like that would literally be the best, the second best Christmas album ever made. <laughs> That's a gold mine. You gotta get on that. Call it's Joe like, Dante. I know. <laughs> it's like the Carpenter's Christmas collection. Just a hair down. Gremlins singing hits. Gremlins. The gre- a very gremlin Christmas. Uh, I would buy that album. Joe Dante, if you're listening. And he's not. Uh, I would definitely buy. I 100% think of this as a Christmas movie. Well, I'm glad that we agree. It is like, this is my two favorite things. It is Christmas and campy horror comedy. Like what that is like pinnacle Christmas movie. You have it first of all, it's like you said, it takes place on Christmas. The story centers around Christmas. Like yeah. Gizmo is a Christmas present. So I'm gonna go ahead and say yes, this is a Christmas movie. I will even say that if you want to get into like the nitty-gritty of it, mm-hmm. having there be kind of a moral lesson or or obligation to learn makes it even more a Christmas movie. Like <laughs> most Christmas movies have like some kind of realization or kind of coming of age maturity thing. Preachy. It's preachy. And this movie is a little bit preachy. Yes, it is. Not in a bad way. No. But uh I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. This is a one hundred percent a Christmas movie. Yeah, no, I'll definitely buy that. I I think it's probably it might be my new favorite Christmas movie. Um, <laughs> with actually, it's gonna come as a close second behind How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I do love How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I just watched it the other day. Have you watched it yet? This I haven't watched season? it yet this year. I was oh. waiting for December. Well, here we go. Yeah, it's December. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you and I should watch it together. Maybe we'll yeah. even have a conversation about it. Yeah. that said i think that's about all i have to say about this movie for now one day we should do gremlins 2 and then we'll have a lot more to say about these gremlins i think (laughs) i really truly think you would love gremlins 2 it is one of my it is such a good movie i mean i liked this and i wasn't when i when i came into it i wasn't sure how i was gonna feel about it Mm -hmm. to be perfectly honest so having come out the other side and liked it, <laughs> I I'm think, sure that that Gremlins 2 is, is even more fun. Oh, yeah. you're And honestly, Gremlins 2 leans even harder into the comedy. So, like, if that's what you're looking for in a, in a movie like this, mm-hmm. that's definitely what you get in <laughs> Gremlins 2. Like, it is on the verge of ridiculous. <laughs> So that's it, uh, kids, for us with with uh, reference to Gremlins. Please let us know anything that we forgot, anything that we left out um, of this little conversation. What? Listener questions. Oh, oh, listener questions. <laughs> Let me write that down. Uh, 
So that's it for us kids uh, as far as uh, Gremlins goes, but we did want to remind you, well, not remind you, we wanted to let you know that we are planning a very special main episode. I was talking earlier in this episode about the fact that on Patreon, we always give our patrons uh, the opportunity to write in and ask us questions, and we answer them on air uh, for you guys so that you can ask us anything you want about anything you want. Uh, And we are going to just one time open that up for a main episode. We are going to allow you to ask us any questions you want. So please go to my Spooky Gay Family on Facebook. Go to uh, SpookyGayFam at gmail.com. Go to my Spooky Gay Family on Instagram and DM us. Email us, whatever you want to do. You can write to us on Twitter. You can uh, DM us on Twitter. Send us your questions and we will answer our favorite ones on air in a main episode for the one and only time we are going to do this. (laughs) Uh, Please send us your questions. We want to hear from you. Exactly. (laughs) We want to hear from you. We want to hear your your funny questions. We will answer literally anything. You can write to us and ask us about math. You can ask us about your homework. You can ask us about... Please don't ask us about math. You can ask us about horror shit, queer shit, uh, anything, literally anything. What's your favorite flavor of like Totino's pizza roll? Go for it. And we will definitely have an answer. (laughs) So let us know what you thought uh, of this episode. Send us your questions for our listener questions episode. And that's it for Gremlins. So until next time, stay spoopy and remember. You know, there's some things I forgot to tell you guys. And they're really important. Number one, he hates bright lights. We know that. But you got to keep him out of the sunlight. Sunlight will kill him. Number two, keep him away from water. Don't give him any water to drink. And whatever you do, don't give him a bath. And probably the most important thing, don't ever feed him after midnight. My Spooky Gay Family features music by Nate Walker, artwork by David Alon, and this episode contains clips from Gremlins, distributed by Warner Brothers 1984. Please subscribe on iTunes, leave us a nice message, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon. My Spooky Gay Family is a product of Barbara Duel Productions. Barbara Duel.